and girls, lax rats alike, welcome back to another episode of The Crease Dive. Today is Saturday, May 27th. We just wrapped up an unbelievable, probably five, uh, yeah, pro probably five and a half, six hours of lacrosse. D1 semifinals just wrapped up. We had two overtime gong shows on deck today. I'm Jordy from Barstool, and with me, not as always this time, because uh, Brother Dukes is over officiating a wedding over the weekend, so we are lucky enough to be joined by my good friend and yours. It's Dan Aresia. Dan, great day in the press box. Uh, I think that the, the two of us put together a beatdown in the press box, and it was a beatdown on the field today. So how are we feeling after both semifinal games wrapped we up? We did. No cookie was safe in the press box today. We very much destroyed the food. Great spread, by the way. Lincoln Financial folks, if you're listening, and I know you are, very good job on the food. Uh, the, the games today were obviously unbelievable. Two overtime games I don't think has ever happened before in the semifinals. I can't remember the last time both games went to OT. So, I, I mean, obviously still kind of processing all of it. Um, but we're going to get a matchup that has delivered some classic title games in the past. We're going to get Duke and Notre Dame on Monday. So, unbelievable day for sure. Yeah, I mean, really just the, the biggest winners of today, I think, are, are the fans. You know, I mean, in today's economy, listen, <laughs> things are tough. You know, wallets are getting a little tight. So to get two games of free lacrosse, that's big for all the boys and girls back home, especially big for the for the 32,000 in attendance at Lincoln Financial Field. Um, now, I, I will admit, I think 16,000 of those fans, probably at, at least 16,000 of those fans left – a little early and probably left a lot of beer on the field with so let, let's just get to it right away uh botch job of the century so i mean this place was pretty packed out for the duke penn state game penn state they travel well to begin with but they didn't really have to travel much for for today's game a lot of a lot of philly guys on the team a lot of philly ties uh with, with that squad and this place was packed out and for that game to go the way that it did uh, I mean, Penn State just fighting and clawing the entire day to keep that game in, in hand and then to send it to overtime. And then the botch job of the century, which we'll get to in a minute, but uh, for, for them to lose that game the way that they did, the fans clearly voiced their displeasure <laughs> with that one. They did. They did. I mean, I thought, I, I thought they obviously had every reason to be upset. Like, it, it became very clear very quickly that the – that an incorrect call was made there that, that delivered a victory to Duke and ended Penn State's season, and you hate that because this the, the place sounded like Happy Valley. Like, the crowd here, it was, you were at a Penn State game. It was bonkers how loud they were. Um, and then to see the game obviously end the way it did with the with the, with the bad call on giveaway and overtime goal, um, you know, so you had the, the people letting them know via throwing uh, – throwing beers on the field and throwing bottles in the field and stuff, which was, I never think is like a cool thing to do, but apparently that's maybe not that popular an opinion. I don't know. There's a lot of people coming to the defense of, of lobbing beers at, at people on the field. So I, I think I think that there's a time and a place for the beer throw. I don't I don't agree with it always, mostly because I feel bad for the beers. I, I, I don't think that there should ever be, be a beer that goes undrank, right? So you have to feel for all these full beers that are getting launched onto the onto the field uh, just because, you know, the, a lot of them, they were at least like 75% full. Yeah. And, and, they're and, not, again, and they're not cheap. The economy here. The, we're back to the economy again. Money is tight, you know. You get the free overtime lacrosse, but 
you're spending big bucks on the uh, on the extra tall Miller Lite. But I, th I think, though, the fact that, again, th those extra tall Miller Lite, I mean, they're probably going for $12, $13 a pop. That's if, that's if you're lucky. <laughs> I think the fact that people were throwing so many of them really just solidified the point that it was an all-time botch job <laughs> yes. on, on the non-call and an all-time botch job by the rules committee to not have that be a reviewable process. I mean, like, that's – I think that – like every inch of Lincoln Financial Field was soaked in light beer, and I think that that should be really the driving force behind why the NCAA needs to go in. I, they they should have done it the the time that the game like immediately after the game finished, they should have gone in, rewrote the rules. But at the very least, the first thing that they take care of this offseason needs to be adding video replay to moments like that. I yeah, mean, it's, we, it's crazy that we, we have video replay, right? We saw it in Penn State Army right. last week with the, you know, getting the shot off in time. The fact that they can't do it for the crease is just preposterous. Yeah, the fact that we just saw them do it for something else obviously makes this really frustrating. You knew it was... Uh it was bad and like the discourse was going to be was going to be hot because like within you know a few minutes of the game being over there was like the email that came from the NCAA folks like by the way just so you know here's what the rules are it's like okay you're telling us that so that we can you know maybe try and defend you here but like it, it needs to happen because you can't have a game decided that way a lot of people I didn't hear broadcast but I heard the the, the TV guys obviously were we're going at it pretty hard, I think. And, you know, at, at the pro level, you can throw a challenge flag and you can take a look at that and you can get the call right. I think that's what, you know, Quinn said on there. And um, if you're going to be – a popular sentiment that I was seeing was if, if you're going to consider yourself a big boy sport, you want to play with, you know, the big four, you're going to – lacrosse wants to take that leap, then you can't have stuff like this happen on the biggest stage that the sport has. You got you have to get this stuff right. You can't be out here Mickey Mouse. It. And it, so, you know, ending a season for a team like that – you know, for a lot of those guys, that's a career ender. That's it for them. You know, so for uh, it, it, it sucks to see it end that way, and and it it can't happen. It's got to be something. You know, you got to write that rule, like you said. Like the second the game ends, we got to be talking about okay, how do we never have this ever happen again? Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you again, it, brutal, brutal way for Penn State season to come to an end. Brutal way for all those seniors for their career to come to an end. Now this could have been a really bad day for lacrosse, right? If, if like, that was, like, the sticking point of this weekend, like, if, if that was, like, the lasting memory that we had of this of the semifinal day, I will say the fact that Duke and Notre Dame came out for the 230 game also delivered an overtime thriller. I, I don't I, – I haven't seen as much uh, on, online. I, like, I don't know if people have totally forgotten about the, the botch call, the, the botch job in the with the non-call uh, in the Penn State-Duke final, but I do think that that game being so electric, the Duke-Notre uh, Dame game being so electric at the end, I, I don't think that the non-call is now the only story, or at least, like, the it, it still might be a 1A, 1B type of situation, but it's not the overwhelming major story from this from this day. Now we also get Notre Dame advancing to the championship game after a Brian Teflin overtime dagger. Yeah, it, it, it is unfortunate, obviously, like you said, for that first game. The game, I mean, we're, we're doing it right now. We're talking about the call as, like, the story of the game. It's the lead. It's what everybody's going to remember about that game. And the game itself was awesome. Like it, it was back and forth. There were runs. There were big goals and answers. There were like star players making ridiculous plays. You know, guys like Jake Naso who finishes with two goals on a huge day facing off. So, you know that it's it sucks that that's the secondary story of that first game. But yeah, the second game being obviously as good as it was, the Kavanaugh's doing very on brand Kavanaugh things of just like getting 
the shit kicked out of them and playing through it and scoring goals anyway and just like willing that team along when they needed a spark. You saw like man goals from Eric Dobson. It was um, a game that definitely helped, will, will be the, the thing that makes the story a little bit better of, of today. Of We won't just talk about this stupid rule thing, this crease thing. We're going to talk about we had two awesome overtime games yeah uh i mean lacrosse game they're 60 minutes long and i feel like the Cavanaugh spend about like 57 <laughs> of those minutes just getting the shit kicked out of them yeah. um but the other three are just scoring just like ridiculous goals yeah uh so a few big goals out of chris Cavanaugh. i mean the the pat cav up there right alley behind the back feed i think that might have been on jake taylor's first that goal was, of yeah. the game yeah. um yeah so i mean taylor finishing that one off and then oh my god the the <laughs> Can we talk about the Jake Taylor <laughs> yeah. ten yard? I, I think right now I'm gonna go with it. it's a ten yard twister. A long ten. I, yeah. I a long ten, uh, and I think maybe by the time like the year 2027 rolls around, I'm gonna be willing. Oh yeah, you guys you guys should have seen Jake Taylor had a 17 yard <laughs> twister to to yeah. send the game to overtime and and to help Notre Dame get to the national championship. I mean that that feed was ridiculous the play was ridiculous and then the finish just absurd the stones to attempt it like a twister you know usually you see that like near the doorstep you do it to get around the goalie or move the goalie a little bit the stones to do it from like we said like a good 10 12 maybe even 13 yards at this point it's getting longer all the time here um but to even attempt it was like i i, I he took it and i was like there's no way i can't believe this and he hit it and i was like we're going to overtime this is this is this is like storybook i can't believe what i'm watching here um, he had an awesome day. I think you know a big part of Notre Dame's success today and part of the story today for them for sure was uh, Lynch facing off. I think everybody thought Lasala was gonna was gonna have a big edge because he's you know Petey Lasala is an excellent faceoff specialist. He's had a good edge the last two times they played, but today I think Lynch was was you know ahead of the 50-50 mark. I think he was 13 to 22, something like that. So you know a, a, a game-changing player there. Uh, in Lynch in a game where every possession mattered. You know, it took overtime. You needed all those extra touches for that offense. There were moments where that offense looked kind of stagnant, kind of stalled as, you know, Kavanaugh was hurt and limping around and you kind of needed sparks here and there, but having all those extra chances because of the faceoff success, huge. Well, I mean, you, you, you think about how this game came down at, at the end, right? So you have uh, who, who scored? What, was it McConvey? I think scored to McConvey give scored. to give Virginia the lead with yeah. like like maybe like 52 seconds left. Ensuing faceoff, Notre Dame wins that faceoff. They're able to come down, call the timeout, get their play out, and then Jake Taylor scores to tie it up. Overtime, they win the faceoff after a, a big time scrap, yeah. um, and then they come down, call their timeout. Which, by the way, there aren't timeouts <laughs> in overtime in the PLL. If anyone's ever told you that before. Um, but yeah, I, dude, the one thing that like Notre Dame, like this is, Will Lynch does a great job. Three-man unit does a great job. But Notre Dame coaching staff, whoever came up with this one, and, and as a guy who appreciates the substitution game and the games within the game, like this is what really gets me going, where Notre Dame will throw a D-Midi on attack for the face-offs, and then that way if Notre Dame, they can double pull the wings, and then if they lose that face-off, Lynch can just come off, and then they already send the D-Midi flying up there. So, I mean, being able to double pull without, like, having to worry about, you know, how, how are we going to get this other guy on, like, yeah. huge for them. So, and, and you see, I mean, the the overtime face-off came down to a battle, three-man unit on the wings, uh, and Notre Dame was able to have two poles out there to win that battle. Yeah, the, the scraps, the, the ground ball scraps in this game were all awesome. And, I mean, 
Uh, I think Notre Dame ended up winning the ground ball battle on the day. UVA had a had a bunch of big ones, um, and they played really well. I thought UVA looked awesome. I know their team's banged up too. I think you saw Schellenberger out there, like Mr. May. I think he still had you know, whatever he had. I have the stats in front of me. He had probably six, seven, eight points, something like that. Six points today. So you know, he played out of his mind, and he was limping around. He was banged up. He was hurt. He and Fake went at it all day, you know. But everybody was contributing for these teams today. They were leaving it out there. If we saw it, we were like, oh my God, is that kid hurt? But when Notre Dame won the game, they're charging the field. And I think it was Jose Boyer like cramped up while charging the field. (laughs) Get stretched out. It was like, these guys have nothing left. They can't even celebrate. They're so tired. Their bodies are so worn down. uh, He made it about like six steps onto onto the field for the dog pile after the overtime winner and just went down like a sack of bricks. And I was like, oh no, oh no. Um, Not like this. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, real quick, I mean, let's just, speaking of guys leaving it all out there on the field, uh, let's go back to the first game a little bit. TJ Malone, what what an unbelievable performance out of him. What, what did he have on the day? I think he had. I think he had, I think he had five or six goals. Yeah, five or six goals, and I think he, I want to say he had eight, like another I, couple yeah. assists. He had six, six goals, six goals. Thank you. So, I mean, <laughs> just unbelievable effort out of tj malone in that game uh unbelievable effort out of i mean that that that's a defense where you go into that game you're down your best defender in jack posey uh you got a couple couple guys stepping in um you know you've got costin as as a freshman stepping in to make some plays uh gotta show some love to ryan o'connor springfield guy <laughs> making a lot of plays on the wing um on face-offs for penn state also had a had a big underrated uh end of the first half Brennan O'Neill coming down. Uh, he gets sealed. They're, they're in a zone there at the end. Fights through the seal. Strips Brennan at the end of the first half. So, yeah. uh, I mean, they have a lot of young guys making a lot of plays on that defense. So, I think, you know, they, they're Penn State's going to lose a, a few guys offensively, but I think they're still in a great spot where uh, this was a great bounce back year for them and does, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't see any reason why it wouldn't keep going from there. Yeah, yeah. I think they had, uh, you know, they bring back a lot of really good pieces. The defense today for them, um, you kind of knew they were just going to throw the kitchen sink at Duke. They had there wasn't a game where they were going to feel good about individual matchups. I think in a lot of places. So you saw zone from them. You saw all kinds of different looks, lots of different things, just anything to keep Duke off balance. And really, I, you know, it, it it worked for the whole day. They wound up in overtime. And I don't think uh, I think it might have been Christian Sweezy who tweeted it, but I don't think Brennan got a shot off for the last like 30 something minutes of game clock in the game, which is remarkable you know some of that is the way Duke's offense was playing some of that though is Penn State's defense really doing work with with a zone that started in that Princeton game that looked awesome you saw it again in the next round and I I think their defense is uh is definitely very improved from where it might have been in the beginning of the year um and then yeah next year I think you know there's no reason to think they won't still be good you know they have one of the trainers is back Matt's back next year um they have some other nice offensive pieces that are going to be back and it's it's a it's a solid group, you know. That the Big Ten is as competitive as it gets. You know, you're not going to be able to count out Maryland, who's going to have everybody back. Basically, you're not going to be able to look past, you know, a Hopkins and, and teams like that. But um, Penn State will be in the mix. It won't be like this year where nobody's going to expect anything from them when 2024 rolls around. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Brennan had. I mean, Brennan went off in the first quarter. Yeah. Uh, ended up with a with a first half hat trick, and then yeah, this the second half he was. 
I'll never say that Brendan O'Neill looks pedestrian, but he, but he looks <laughs> yeah. like what a what a pedestrian version of Brendan O'Neill looked like. Um, we didn't get like a ton of big Andrew McAdory moments. It, no. it, you know, we we got a lot of. Um, you know, we, we got a lot of Dyson Williams getting some some great finishes in tight around the crease. Uh, I mean, couple couple good looks from Balsamo. Obviously, the Garrett Ledman. Listen, it, was his foot on the crease? <laughs> sure. Was it still a great take? Absolutely. Um, but the the thing I want to say though about Brennan and McAdory, where you know, especially in the second half, neither of them looked like all like just unstoppable forces. I've always been a big proponent. You only have so much gas in the tank for a weekend like this. There are only so many goals that are in your stick when you show up to championship weekend. You come here on the the Friday to get your practice in. You play on Saturday, and if you're lucky enough to play on Monday, you've got your two games. There are only two – you got two games here. There are only so many goals that you can score. Is Brennan and and McAdory were they saving up those goals for Monday? Did <laughs> yeah. they did they know that they needed to keep some in reserve? Where a guy like T.J. Malone may be going all out. He's like, listen, I, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be it. able to, to. I got to empty the tank here. Yeah. Brennan thinking long term, been here before. Hey, maybe maybe I want maybe I want two extra goals in my stick for Monday because we might just need them, especially if the Cavanaughs get a couple big ridebacks on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Right now, all of a sudden, those possessions mean more. Now Brennan has a couple extra goals to work with. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this about Monday's game. I think there are two defensemen in America who won a physical battle with Brennan O'Neill this year. One's Owen Grant, and the other one's the guy he's seeing on Monday. The other guy's Chris Fake. Chris Fake locked him up. When they played the first time, Chris Fake won his matchup with Brennan O'Neill. So he's going to get that. Again, that's going to, I think, obviously be a, a big story for people between now and then is the, is the Chris Fake-Brennan game. But um, I think if that happens, you know, that's the case where you do want to see then a lot more from McAdory. I thought Balsamo did look really good today. I thought he initiated offense really well. I thought Denenza played pretty well, too. Um, so, you know, they're a team, all these teams that make it, there's like a, a, a theme with them, obviously, and that all four of these teams have multiple guys you could probably consider to be like a number one option on a lot of different teams, you know. Penn State's got Malone, and I think you could think of like Winkoff and, and the trainers that way. Obviously, UVA is loaded. You know, Notre Dame has has both the Kavanaugh's and Dobson. There's all these guys who can start an offense if you need them to, and Duke definitely has that as well. So, um, where they go and what they look like on Monday, and how maybe they're different than matchups during the regular season, I think will be interesting. But um, you know, Brennan is going to get Chris Fake again, and like I said, Fake has won that matchup, so it's uh, it's going to be a good one to watch that. Yeah, I would love to see to start off Monday's game. Let's not do a coin toss. Let's do whoever has the bigger calves between Chris Fake and Andrew McAdory. Like you get to you get to decide get which. Get the measuring yeah, tape yeah. out, and we just get to get around the legs a little just, bit. Just two of the just sculpted calves out of those guys. Big big. This you're not going to get calf analysis anywhere else. These guys are not wearing skinny jeans, folks. The uh, leg just will not make it into the pants. Nah, it better be a four way stretch. <laughs> That's right. This, uh, this segment's brought to us by Muggsy Jean. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, all right, so a- any closing remarks from the weekend before we wrap up here? I mean, it's, it's been a long day. Uh, we, we crushed a lot of press box cookies. So um, just, just trying to, I mean, oh, by the way, my closing remark, I just want to say, everyone out there, if there's one guy who I know for a fact is PLL ready, it's Ryder Garnsey. <laughs> Ryder was out here warming up Entman and the rest of the Notre Dame goalies, and he was slinging that shit. I, dude, he, I, I saw him splash a couple corners yeah. on Entman, yeah. and I was like, I, I think that he's 
really treating this <laughs> as PLL training camp he and is. not warming up his goalie for he a national is semifinal. If I have to pick somebody who is not PLL ready, it's Matty Palo. Maybe had a tough call today. Maybe, maybe had a tough call. Today. <laughs> I love it. I, I love, love you, Maddie. I'm sorry, but that was I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, we uh, we covered that plenty. But I, I mean, closing remark for me, I'd say Monday's game I think is going to be awesome. Whatever Duke and Notre Dame play, they have these national championship games that have been outstanding in the past. I would expect this one to be another of the same. Um, I'm going to check out D2 and D3 championships tomorrow. I'm sure there's streams of those somewhere. Um, so you obviously check those out too. You can see Lenoir Ryan and uh, Mercyhurst. You can see Tufts and uh, Salisbury. Those schools, the D3 schools especially, I mean, without naming names, but like Transfer Portal, spoiler alert, there will be D1 players in that game at Blue Bloods next year. So watch the Tufts game. Um, and, uh, yeah, Monday I'm pumped to be back for, for another good national championship. Going to watch a little box lacrosse tonight. we got the NLL final starting. It's great lax weekend. Just a really great lax weekend. I mean, again, biggest winner here, us, the fans. <laughs> us. Uh, oh, and by funny. the way, everyone just say a quick prayer for Scotty Rogers. I feel like he's going to get just peppered with people sending him the clip of C.J. Costabile scoring the, the game winner in 2010. So, That's uh, yeah, just, just sure. keep, keep Scotty in your thoughts, and uh, ho hopefully they get a little bit of revenge for him on that on Monday. Uh, all right, well, make sure uh, you guys are following us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at the Crease Dive on both. Make sure you're following Dan at Dan Arestia on Twitter. Uh, great take and also the occasional feet picks. <laughs> so you're not going to want to miss that. No longer that. for free. <laughs> Behind a paywall, baby. <laughs> and in the meantime, we'll be keeping it low to high until the day we die. We out.